0: Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. There is so much wrong with the world, isn't there? On Tuesday after Graham's sermon on Psalm 5, we had an opportunity just uh, on our own to bring to mind those things that saddened us and to lament for the, uh, the problems, the pain and the circumstances in our lives or in the world that deeply sadden us. And there was no shortage of material, let me tell you. Five minutes wasn't enough. There's so much wrong with the world, despite our best efforts and the incredible transforming power of 500 years of scientific endeavour to improve our lives and improve the world, there is still so much wrong. If every step forward, it seems that we take two steps back, something that we've been reminded of very much over the last two years. In the face of such horrors as COVID, horribly violent civil wars in Africa, displaced peoples by the millions, sabre-rattling by world powers and climate change, we may well wonder if things could ever improve. There's so much wrong with the world that it is easy to become cynical and complacent, to throw up our hands and say, what is the use? To wonder what difference we could ever make. And there's so much wrong with each of us too, isn't there? Each of us has our own past, our own demons, our own failures and inadequacies, our own besetting sins. We may well become despondent about ourselves and wonder, can we ever change? Because we long to change. In a sense, many of you are here at Ridley because you long to change. None of us want to wallow in our failures, ignorance, inadequacies and sin. We want to be people of integrity, honesty kindness, generosity, and moral courage. We want to be like Jesus. Which is why his promise today is so good and so worth taking hold of. A promise not just to save you, but to transform you. The promise of God is not just to save you, but to transform you and to transform the world through you. And because we don't want to wallow in our past or present state, that is a very rich promise indeed. The idea of God's transformation is very richly embedded in the scriptures and is most beautifully and graphically presented in Ezekiel 47. It's a vision of transformation that describes God transforming the desert from an an arid place of death to a fertile place teeming with life. A vision that's given in order to show what God will do for the world. In Ezekiel 47, the prophet is taken in a vision to the entrance of the great temple in Jerusalem. In his vision, he sees water flowing out of the steps of the temple like springs oozing with water. And the water flowed, forming a shallow pool. But then Ezekiel is taken a thousand metres downstream. And there he tested the stream and found it was ankle deep. He went downstream another 1,000 metres and tested the water again and found it to be knee deep. And by the time he went another 1,000 metres downstream, it was a waist deep river. Another 1,000 metres. And he couldn't stand at all. In fact, it was so deep and so wide that no one could swim it. And Ezekiel turned and he looked at the banks, and they were full of trees, all kinds of trees lining the river as it snaked through the past wilderness, bringing life wherever it went, all the way down to the Dead Sea. And when the water of this great river finally flowed into the Dead Sea, it brought the Dead Sea itself to life. One of the things I love about that image is it talks about how the fresh water flowed into the Dead Sea and turned that salty water fresh, which is exactly the opposite of what happens today. The few springs and oases around the, river, uh, around the, the Dead Sea flow into it, and of course the fresh water turns salt. But this is about transformation, it's a rich, beautiful and powerful picture of what God will do. This salt-filled sea that couldn't sustain a single fish or one tree or even a seabird teemed with life, all kinds of creatures living on its banks, drunk of its water. Fruit trees grew there, producing fruit every month of the year and their leaves held amazing healing properties. I just love that picture of transformation, of death being brought to life. Here in Australia, we have a phenomenon that they don't have at the Dead Sea, and that's with Lake Eyre. You will have seen pictures of how, just given a few inches of rain, this place that was once devoid of life suddenly teems with life. Sea creatures hatch from eggs that have been hidden for years beneath the surface. Six to eight million water birds suddenly know to fly there and fill the skies over the lake. And the landscape is transformed and it's stunning. A Dry, arid, forbidding landscape suddenly a place of beauty, refreshment and life. Well, that is a wonderful picture of what God will do, of of what God is doing, of the transformation he is bringing. It's a wonderful picture of a world being renewed of disease being conquered, of war ceasing, of famine giving way to abundance, of joy filling the earth, our harsh, often cruel world being transformed and healed, like the desert suddenly bursting into life. Our God is not just a God of salvation. He is a God of transformation. Well, it's this imagery that Jesus picks up and uses in the remarkable promise in John 7. As we come to John 7, there's two things you need to notice. First, where Jesus is, and second, when this takes place. Where is Jesus? He is in the temple. And When does this take place? We're told it takes place at the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, one thing that I've noticed about John's Gospel is that the context in which he speaks is the key to understanding what Jesus is saying, particularly around the festivals. I think that's the case in John 3 and certainly here. And in verse 37, we're told that today's events take place on the last and greatest day of the feast. Every day during the feast, the Jewish people celebrated God's provision of water following the Exodus as they wandered through the desert from Egypt towards the promised land. They escaped from Egypt, fled through the Red Red Sea and were sustained by manna and water that poured out of the rocks that Moses struck with his staff. And so in celebration and remembrance of God's provision, a golden flagon was filled with water at the pool of Siloam and carried in a, pre- a procession led by the high priest up to the temple. And there the priests would process around the altar with the water while the temple choir sang the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 113 through 118. When they finally reached Psalm 118, the men would raise a green green pear-shaped fruit into the air and shout three times, give thanks to God, give thanks to God, give thanks to God, and the water would be poured out onto the altar and from the altar onto the floor. It was a celebration that looked back at the provision of water in the wilderness, but Like so many celebrations that look back, it also looked forward to the fulfilment of Ezekiel's vision of God pouring out his spirit in the last days and the stream of life-giving water gushing out from the temple and transforming the whole earth. Now listen to the words that Jesus spoke. In the midst of that great celebration, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Wow. That is a remarkable thing to say. Jesus is saying that he is the fulfilment of what this feast anticipated. He is the one who will give the living water that will flow to the ends of the earth, transforming the harsh and barren world, bringing new life, creating God's new future. But more than that... More than that, he will begin by renewing and transforming the people who come to him. Those who come to him will be filled. They will be filled with the spirit. Those who come to him will be transformed like the desert. And trans- like the desert was transformed in Ezekiel's vision. The transforming work that God is going to accomplish for the whole world begins with the transformation of His people. God doesn't just save His people, He transforms His people. He begins His transforming work in the world by transforming you. You are the parched and thirsty desert that is being filled with fresh, living water. This water is a spring bubbling inside you, cleansing you, renewing you, refreshing you, preparing you for the life of the new world God is making. Perhaps you can see that transformation in yourself. The fulfilment of God's promise, not just to save you, but to transform you. That spring of living water bubbling up inside you. Forgiving your sin, putting your past behind you, growing and changing your character, transforming you into Christ-likeness. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God. But the work of the Spirit doesn't just end there with you. This is the surprising twist in the story. Remember, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. The fresh Living water does its work in renewing and transforming you, but it doesn't end with transforming you. That's where it begins. Jesus takes this Old Testament imagery of Ezekiel, of the water that Ezekiel saw flowing out of the temple to transform the world and amazingly personalises it so that it comes not out of the temple but out of you, to water and transform and give life to the world. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. In other words, Jesus transforms us by his spirit so we might transform the world. Towards the end of John's Gospel, after the resurrection, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Spirit and were sent into the world. They received the Spirit and were sent in the world as Jesus was sent into the world, as agents of God's transforming mission. We have the same spirit that they received, the spirit that transformed them, the spirit that they sent them into the world, the spirit that animated and empowered their mission is the same spirit that you have been given. To come to Jesus is to be renewed and transformed by Him. But it doesn't end there. It's also to take part in the renewing and transforming work in the world by the power of that Spirit. You can't come to Jesus and remain unchanged. And you can't come to Jesus and not be an agent of change, a person who brings healing, peace, justice, righteousness to a parched and barren world as the spirit flows from within you. Too often Christians adopt a spirituality which is only concerned with the work of God inside of them and has no interest in the world and its fate. And we can sort of understand that given the challenges we face and the complacency we can so easily feel. At the same time, there are others who are so interested in transforming the world, but their lives remain untouched and unchanged. But God does not just save us, but transforms us, and he transforms us that we might be agents of his transforming mission to the world. When we are faced by our own own contradictions, weaknesses and sin, we need to take hold of this promise, don't we? When we feel that we are not stepping, moving forward, we need to take hold of this promise. We need the assurance that God is at work in us by the Spirit and that he promises that the person that comes to him in faith is a person he will transform. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from within him. It is an invitation to be transformed. It's a promise of transformation like the desert, will be transformed to be given new life, forgiven, renewed and refreshed. Come to me and drink. And in a world where there is so much wrong, we need to take hold of that promise, not for ourselves but for the world. In the face of its many horrors, we need to be reminded that God is transforming the world through us ahead of what he will do at Christ's return. While we may well be overwhelmed by how much is wrong with the world, we don't need to become cynical or complacent because our God is all about turning dry, deathly deserts into fertile gardens, both the desert that is in here and the desert that is out there. Let those waters flow and transform you and through you to transform the world. Let's pray. Now, gracious God, you do not leave us to wallow in our sin, but you transform us by your Spirit. Please continue and bring to completion that transforming work. Renew us and change us, we pray, into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you transform us, may we be agents of your transformation of the world. May we be those who bring peace and justice and righteousness to a world that you love and that so desperately needs it. Change us and use us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.